Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis. This is BFC Live for Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the Business of Cannabis since 2017 through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real world and virtual events. We've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. As a reminder, these BFC Lives are also available by podcast wherever you get your podcasts, so subscribe and rate us when you find us. Coming up, a deep dive conversation with Krista Raymer of Vitrina Group, a retail consultancy, and Marty Najafi of Figure 3, talking all about cannabis retail and store design. Here's what we're up to this week on Business of Cannabis. Today is our Benchmarks Day from our friends at Cannabis Benchmarks. Go to our website, businessofcannabis.ca. There you will see a workup of what they are projecting in terms of retail sales, retail store numbers in Ontario for the rest of the year. Tomorrow is our BDSA Insights Day with uh, Liz Tahura, both on BFC Live but also in our newsletter. Thursday is our Job of the Week presented by Cannabis at Work. We'll also sit down with Farrell Miller, who will be talking about the Urban Green Cannabis Company, a retailer uh, of cannabis. Friday uh, is our Psychedelics Update from our sister publication at Report on Psychedelics. We'll also be back with our partners from Alcit talking about email security, malware, and how you and your constantly full inbox could be a major threat to your IT security, but we'll talk about how to protect yourself and your business. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram for all the latest. As always, you can go to businessofcannabis.ca to find all the information. Thank you to our ongoing partners, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, and BDSA for their ongoing support of all the work at Business of Cannabis. And as always, we are protected by our partners at Alcit, who we will hear from on Friday. Now enjoy this conversation with Krista Raymer of the Vitrina Group and Marty Najafi of Figure 3. Enjoy. Welcome, Krista. Welcome, Marty. Krista, nice to see you again. Nice to see you. Glad we got Marty here. I'm glad we got Marty here too, because as we do, we're going to be talking about retail, but specifically about retail design today, which is really uh, an important topic and not because things need to look great, although that helps. They need to be functional and I am no expert. I'm acknowledging that I'm no expert, so I will start with that sort of mea culpa uh, or admission. Um, But Marty, I want to start uh, with this. We are seeing an explosion, really, of, of new retail cannabis operators um, in Toronto, around the country, uh, around the province, around the country. When you've seen these retailers and you've been in and sort of explored the space, give an overall grade <laughs> to how you think people are doing when they're thinking about a retail concept, retail design. Is there a great knowledge of what's happening in sort of modern retail and applied to cannabis or, or not, I guess is the question. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm trying to be very Canadian in this response <laughs> uh, and very uh, polite. But like from an expert professional point of view, no. And we all know that. Um, there are some examples that are somewhat linked to the bigger brands that are doing certain things right in terms of the branding component, um, the environmental graphics and how it applies to their online experience and uh, in-store in terms of wayfinding. But the overall experience 
layered on top is uh, all the compliance layers that the government is putting forward. Uh, it looks like there's no consistency and the actual customer experience is not taken serious. Uh, I would agree with you. I don't even walk into the space as like a retail expert. I'm, I'm a social smoker. I'm a, more of a cigar smoker than a um, marijuana smoker. But um, I go in there just assuming that I'm a curious shopper um, and I'm lost. Yeah. I would agree with you. I think that retailers have spent a lot of time rushing to get the doors open and have invested a lot leading up to the opening and compliance and the legal framework behind their stores and then do like a quick and dirty design to get it open and operating. And that doesn't get lost on the customer. The customer feels it when you go into the store. Uh, Marty, would you say like, in design, when you are meeting with these retail clients that are opening a cannabis store, um, what do you think is the piece that they're missing the most uh, when they're getting to you? Well, the big pieces that is missing is who they are targeting and what's their strategy to get to that target demographic. They all think that as soon as they open, no matter where their location is, what neighborhood, what demographic within that neighborhood, as soon as the shop is open, there's going to be a lineup and the masses are going to be coming in. Therefore, there's no that specific niche market target strategy on who their market is and what are the steps they're going to take with the help of experts to um, send the right signals and make uh, an, uh, like an overall experience for that clientele. That's what's missing. They're trying to be designing or servicing to the mass, whoever comes in. And most of them, and most of them, based on the little snippets of the market information, they're targeting to just sales. Um, their hope is that the transactional customer just knows what they want, come in, rings, and walks out. Uh, and there's a less of a curated offering or education for the curious shopper or the shopper that wants to step into this world and get educated. Yeah. And that's the, that I think is a, you know, an obviously a huge challenge and a major opportunity because the way the regulations are set up, if you, if you like that experience or not, the same product you buy, you can buy online. Right. So there is this, and we've talked a lot about this, Krista, that uh, two things. One, the consumers um, have more choices about where to go and buy because it's just more retailers. They always have the online option. And now even these private retailers have an option to sell online and deliver. So th that th what you're describing wasn't even that important, not that it wasn't important, but there was a limited place to go buy cannabis before. Now there's no limited supply of places to go buy cannabis and you need to actually get those. And Krista's taught me that I need to constantly think about the next purchase as opposed to the current purchase because if they're not coming back, you are in serious trouble. 100%, 100%. And you touched on it exactly. I'm gonna put my teacher hat on, coffee's coffee. But each of those coffee experiences, not naming names, one is targeted towards value, quick in and out. The other is like all the environmental 
affordances is signaling that you're welcome to sit here, open your laptop and stay as long as you want. But as soon as these two things get mixed up, uh, you're sending the wrong signal. Like uh, we've seen examples that one that was an immediate, like a more of a value driven fast service coffee entity is now borrowing things from the other one and putting it in without even understanding why that was there. Like just throwing leather couches in a fireplace and maybe a communal harvest table is not gonna change the experience. And is it ultimately servicing your customer? In those two examples, one focuses a lot on getting the customer in and then retaining them with smaller transactions all the way along. The other one is more invested in lifting the average spend per customer, creating a ritual of behavior. So those things are also true in cannabis. It's, it's, we really struggle sometimes when meeting with clients, when we're, we're trying to make decisions about um, what the store design is going to be in the aesthetic feel is, Ultimately, what does the customer want? And then how can you reinforce that behavior into the store? So having a store that is queued up like a bank is great for a certain type of customer. For another type of customer in a different kind of environment, it might not work. And so you need to really be thinking about those things. And too often, we're just copying, pasting things that worked in other areas and applying it to a new space when every space is different. 100%. And in the overall, like sp stepping out of the world of cannabis just for a moment, and as Jay mentioned, we're in a world that everything is available from a touch of a keyboard. So w brick and mortar physical spaces is, is only attractive when you give me something beyond what I can purchase online or through other avenues. And that is understand it's that experience and that connection of the shopper and the brand and what the brand is offering on bigger layers like um we were talking the other day with you krista like um we can i, I don't know can we name brands here um, um you like can for let's do it <laughs> for instance like uh, lululemon successful what are they doing they're Yes, they're selling yoga apparel, but they're, they're promoting that lifestyle. You know, the offerings, the services, the uh, allowing for um, yoga classes pre or post opening, um, leveraging that whole entire experience, curating towards a certain market demographic and a niche market is the focus that you have to do. Or if you wanna do the masses, um, Ikea is a great example, right? Like they have the showroom for the curious shopper that wants to get um, inspired, uh, walk through, see examples, get educated. And then they have the marketplace for the quick in and out or the customer that knows what they want. You can't, if there has to be a strategy behind it. What's Ikea doing? The strategy is um, promoting the Scandinavian design, affordable design, and masses can have good design on a, a value price point. So how do we translate experience into cannabis? Because that is something that I, I think that there are these buzzwords when we talk about 
a lot of the time with interior design and thinking about like through and through experience and articulating our customer through design. But like, how do you do that? What are your first steps in doing that and working through a client with how that happens? Well, I think we touched on it. It's the strategy of what your brand stands for. Who are you targeting? Are you targeting the younger demographic? Are you targeting um, like a specific niche? Let's say um, stay at home moms. Um, like, uh, like you just have to strategize who is this brand is standing for. And it, the layers start, the bricks start fitting in together from the name to the storytelling, to the education and the language you talk to your customer. Like I always say that like when Apple, what the great thing that Apple store did, and we're all sick of using Apple as a great retail example, but they really did great. Like they brought an, a, like a, an expensive product and put it on the shelf tangible for people to engage and perceive this in their life, play with it because it's a lot, a lot of investment buying that like a $2,000 laptop. And then after that, talking to the expert in a language that they understand. The salesperson at an Apple store, when you buy the um, iPad, doesn't ask how many gigabytes you want. They're like, how many muse tunes do you want to throw in here? How many movies do you want to watch on your laptop? Change the language towards your target customer and make that connection and you'll be able to connect with them, you'll be able to sell, and it'll uh, ultimately lead to the ring which you want. Yeah. It, it, may, may I, Krista, because I think there's the other part, which is certainly happening in downtown Toronto, but I think we'll see across the country, is that we will see some big national brand retailers, right? We'll see the Fire and Flowers, the Meta, the Spirit Leafs, the Tokyo Smokes. We're going to see those. And, and I, I always have a question because we also have national chains and coffee and a whole bunch of others. Like, but sometimes, and, and in the best cases, they actually feel like local coffee shops, right? They are the same, but they actually have a very local feel. And I think that, like, how do you, I guess, advise clients or think about that as a retailer that you are part and parcel of a neighborhood almost before you are a national chain or national brand? I, yeah, I think that there is always an opportunity when we're talking about demographics and understanding the customer. We have a tendency to like really nail in and try and get specific with age and gender and, and behaviors. But if we go after like human needs, need for either security, need uh, for communication and, and focus on what is the human need that you're going to service and then translate it to your local community. What does that look like in that community? So if safety or transparency of information is the need, how does that translate to your local community? And then you have an underlying value that is consistent across all of your stores, but gets translated to specifics uh, within the local community. 100%, like three years ago, uh, we did the Certera Wellness brand, Medicinal Marijuana in Florida. It was their very first store in Tampa. They, uh, we worked with them and they, their target group became uh, the caregiver, the mom. Uh, because she, if the store environment, the experience walking into the store, because she doesn't know, she's given up on the chemical and the science of 
to treat her child that has seizure or her parents that are dealing with the pain going through um, age or cancer or whatnot. It had to send the right signals to that caregiver, to that Floridian mom, 35 plus, that when she walks into the space, she connects with the staff, with the brand, with the environment to trust the product and the service and what they're prescribing. And that was the starting point of the brand. And um, then studying how she thinks, what she, what she connects with, and what sends the right signals to her to trust this environment that she's cautious whether she should approach or not, um, then immediately everything else settled in and it allowed me and my team and the design team and even the marketing team, the packaging team, um, and the real estate strategy to all fall into place. Obviously, the locations would be where the mom would go and trust, not in a sketchy CMO. Um, um, and then the packaging, what would she connect with? Um, she and the, our like um, the the connection we found was was food. Like a, a mom would uh, bring natural food to the table with love to her family. And if the packaging went to medical cosmetics and uh, that was not sending the right signals, she wouldn't even trust the product. Yes, science is important. We put it in the layers behind it. It's, it's interesting because the way retail has rolled out, certainly in Canada over the past year and a half, the first year and a half really, was almost real estate first, brand second, and then like, or regulations first, um, uh, find a spot, get a license, get a brand. Like it's, it's, um, it's not been by design the most thoughtful approach of where you think your brand is. Let's go find a place and build a brand in this sort of geography. It's been like, here's the geography, here's the brand. Now we have to like mash them together and figure out if it works. Yeah, make it work instead of finding the pieces that can work together. Yeah, in this specific example, which I shared, obviously they had the first prototype concept store was in a C-Mall because landlords wouldn't give them locations and we've heard. Uh, but when, and we as designers, uh, when they gave me the bylaws and the criteria is very similar to what we had in Ontario. No one can see inside the store. I didn't start nodding and say, yes, I'm going to hoard the store. I said, that's not, that's going to send the wrong signal to the mom. It's going to look like an illicit drugstore or an adult store. <laughs> She's not going to trust this, nor, nor is her uh, husband that is driving her to that C-Mall. He's not going to want her to go in there, right? So, so we asked the right questions to the legislators. Why do you want to um, close off the store? And they said, well, products can't be close to the window. I'm like, okay. So if I don't have product close to the window, how about we don't even put product on the floor and we put dummy packages so it's not actual products? And they were like, okay, that may work. So instead of just nodding, um, ask the whys and how, and like they asked for a double door man trap experience walking into the store. 
showing ID and, and we're like, no, it's gonna be a sliding door. We're not gonna put up a man trap, um, but the store is not gonna signal that this is a money grab. There's no money. We, we hit the cash drawers like what Apple Store would do. There wasn't a, a physical POS, you know? Like I'm throwing these examples that design can be done informed based on what, like security, uh, but the goal was to bring this target demographic, the caregiver, the mom, to trust the space and this entity. And how it layered on top was they changed their staffing model. Who would be the right people to talk to this mom? She would, who would she trust and connect with? How would the space look like? Um, we turned the conversation table to a kitchen island she connects with that visually and she trusts it. And we gather around those islands on a day-to-day -day basis when mom's making the meal. So all these signals were working. And then what happened back to that real estate discussion we just had, after the first concept store was built, legislators, government, and landlords walked into the space, they went, huh, if you're gonna do this, you're more than welcome to come and have your next door buy a Starbucks. And that's what actually happened on I Street versus a CMOC. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it actually, it's so interesting that it dovetails with some of the other conversations we've had with Kristen, the Vitrina Group team, because we talk about staffing and what is the, like how to train, like how to hire the right staff, how to train the right staff, to fit the brand and, and what you're saying to fit the actual physical component of the space too is the different rollouts of the same brand across human touch, physical, outdoor, indoor, product, packaging, all of those things coming together to find the right demographic that you want to target, deliver against that promise, and then retain the customer so their cart continues to fill up. Yeah. It's it's like there are all of these pieces that can work together and reaffirm the message and the same, like Marty said, the signaling. There's a lot of things that are in stores right now that are a distraction. Um, and they were put in under the assumption that they would be operationally efficient. Um, or they were put in to give the customer more information in the way that they want to consume it, whether that be paper around the store from LPs. Mm -hmm. But we really need to think about what and how the customer is going to use the store. The store is a tool for the retailer and for everybody who works in the store. Um, and it should be looked at as a tool, like how can we make this efficient for them? But then it's going to be leveraged as an experience for the customer. So those two things can feel very contentious unless you start with a point where it's like, what's our message here? And when you walk into a store that is at contention, you know, like it feels, it has a feeling and that feeling is created differently for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Marty. No, I was just nodding like ditto to everything she said. Yeah. And I like these conversations because I get to learn something that I don't know, but, but Krista, what you just said is exactly true. And I think Marty, you were getting at this too with the, with the, um, with the island sort of idea, right? Like 
you wouldn't necessarily walk in and be like, oh, that's neat. There's an island and I'm going to go talk to someone there. The idea is you actually don't notice it, but it's comfortable and it, it fits what you, the reason why you went in, your desires, your need states, all of those things. And you know, you don't recognize it when it's happening. You're recognizing it much more when it's not happening, Krista, to your point that it's like, it's discordant in some way, something feels off and you don't feel this burning desire to go back and buy something from there again. A hundred percent. And like when you bring experts on board and uh like we may not highlight that the reason we did the island was this and that i'm just sharing it with you guys but like I'll, i'll switch to another example banking um it's the me versus you you go and see the financial advisor he's looking at your portfolio but uh you can't see the screen and you're like what's there it's my portfolio why can't i see it but changing the form of the table or the seating situation to a round table and having the screen open to your client or shopper, seeing his or her portfolio is a more collaborative experience. Just some minor touches that would, could change the dynamics of the discussion and the sales and the outcome. Yeah. And it's those design pieces of where it positions the customer. It, it, it like the technology piece is definitely there and we've seen a huge improvement in the technology in the cannabis space for sure. But the, the base roots of where we are going to interact with the customer starts with the design of how the space offers that opportunity. Are you going to be standing across from your customer with a cash desk in between you where the person can't see your entire body. And so then it makes all of these questions for a consumer unconsciously, or are we going to present people that are fully accessible in the store? And does the store create an environment where staff can feel and look busy? Because ultimately that creates an environment that generates sales. We all go to the person in a retail store who is the busiest because they look like they know what they're doing. And so that also perpetuates into sales. It's true in cannabis too. You don't want to walk in and see somebody just standing waiting for you. You're not going to talk to that person. You're going to go right past them to the next person. And so how does the store reaffirm all of those behaviors? Yeah. It all goes back to what we started this conversation. Know who your customer demographic is, who you're targeting, and then we will help you study that person and see, uh, translate the world from their point of view and then set up the space, the journey, the touch points uh, from a branding point of view, from the aesthetics to actual physical touch points uh, based on their behaviors and their wants and desires and needs. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm really excited for the next one too, because Marty and Krista, I know we'll be talking to you, but Marty, I hope we can reconnect down the road as well, because I think there's so much to unpack and even sort of case studies about what people are doing really well, which I think is interesting to talk about and people like to show off, as opposed to walking in sort of doing a case study of what people are doing shitty. Um, but I, I do look forward to sort of future conversations on this topic because I think it's, it's interesting from a just big picture retail perspective, but specific to where we're seeing lots of ramp up around cannabis retail. Would love to. I, I, I'm hoping and we all hope that eventually as the, mar- uh, the market starts moving towards saturation, um, retailers and the, the, the licensee holders start thinking deeper 
on how to get to market and how to differentiate those. Because as you said, the product, that, that same product is available everywhere, be it online or that's next door on either side of that Tim Hortons. Yeah. Uh, but which one am I gonna go? And retail these days is what would, it's not the sales per square foot, it's how many times am I gonna come back to your space? Yeah. We're all singing from uh, Krista's song sheet. <laughs> Attract, retain, build, customer spend. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my mantra. Uh, Marty, thanks for being here. Krista, thank you again as well. We'll connect with everybody down the road. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank